All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you are well today. Hope it's a payday for you. How cool would that be, right? For you bi-weekly wage earners and weekly guys, maybe this is it. Maybe you get a chance to put a little coin in your pocket and get out and go do some cool things this weekend. A lot of basketball on this weekend. And this, this is kind of like, for me, this is kind of like the lull between the two seasons. You know, when football winds down, you know, we have a few weeks there before college baseball begins. And, and so it, it's good to have this. You know, it's good to have SEC basketball. Unfortunately, on the women's side of things, we've been really good. So you look forward to those Sundays. And uh, in recent years, last couple of years, we've been able to kind of invest some time on Saturdays uh, watching college basketball. I mean, it's, it's a fun thing. That's one good thing about the SEC network is, uh, you know, if you're a big fan of college basketball, you can get up, have, uh, you know, sleep late and have a late breakfast and uh, kind of plug in and watch SEC hoops all day long. That is an amazing thing. I remember when we used to struggle, we had to go sit outside on top of a hill and uh, use the rabbit ears and try to get the game on the radio. And then sometimes you'd lose track of what was going on. And so I, I appreciate this day and time. I wish we were a little bit better at men's basketball. But, uh, you know, the last two years have been better. You know, th- this year has been, uh, you know, a little bit of a disappointment. But to be fair to Ben Howland and staff, we knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. And uh, it's in, in, in forethought when you begin to kind of break that down, you think, yeah, you know, it's going to be a tough year. But then when you're in the middle of it, you know, when you're in the middle of having to get up and go to the water cooler and you don't have anything to kind of feel good about, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like you can't go out there and beat your chest and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to kill you guys this weekend. You can't talk any trash. You know, it, it's not any fun. Then you get through it and you look back and objectively and say, you know what, we knew it was going to kind of be a tough year, but maybe we've kind of laid the foundation here. So we're going to talk a little bit basketball a little bit later in the show. But, uh, yeah, b- big weekend for sure. Uh, for college hoops around the country and within our league. And as we saw last weekend and, you know, earlier this week, anything can happen. Absolutely anything can happen uh, with the SEC. There just seems to be so much parity within the league this year. I don't know that we have a, you know, a, a great team. I think Tennessee is really, really good. I think Alabama is proven to be the class of the SEC right now. And I don't know if anybody really expected them to be as good as they are. I think everybody expected them to be improved. I think they've taken some great strides here in the last 12 months, and, um, you know, we're going to get a chance to see them up close and personal tomorrow. 
Speaking of up close and personal, uh, Bulldog Burger Company, great place to feed your family. Whether you're going for lunch, whether you're going out, you know, an evening with the guys or the girls to have an adult beverage or whatever, they have a meal and a time slot to accommodate absolutely everybody. I had somebody tell me yesterday, hey, Steve, I'm going to Bulldog Burger Company in Tupelo for the first time. I checked out the menu. I'm going to get the Good Morning Burger. And you know what? It's outstanding. If you're looking to pack on the protein, that might be the way to go. Great portions for you. I've said before, I I never finish what I order there. And you've seen me. I'm 6'2", 215 pounds, you know, and so I can put away some groceries. But Bulldog Burger Company always kind of gets the best of me. They always leave me with a little something extra. Whether you get the fries, whether you get the salad, whether you get the sweet heat chicken sandwich, once they pile those sides on those trays for you, uh, you're going to eat. Okay, it, it's not it's not a diet meal. Okay, let me just go ahead and lay it out there for you. If you're looking to just go, well, I just want something to tide me over, then this is not your place. But if you're looking for a real meal where you're going to get the value for your money and you're going to get more than you pay for, it's Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Start Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's take a quick inventory of where we are right now in men's basketball. Just for this year. Let's don't look at you know the full six years. Let's just look at this year. Okay, Mississippi State lost four starters. Bo Bounds and I talked about that this morning. At least Tyson Carter, Nick Weatherspoon. Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard. Okay, you're going to feel that. I don't care how good a coach you are. I don't care how good your recruiting class is. When you lose four veteran guys like that, you're going to feel it. And we have. We have certainly felt it. It, uh, it has been at times brighter than we anticipated this year. And, of course, you know, I record the show you know, after we lose to Ole Miss, which is not always the best thing, but um, – you know, it is easy to get caught up in our emotions and become prisoners of the moment. But let's take a quick look here. And uh, I'm going to run the schedule down real quick, and we're going to kind of look ahead to Alabama. But we began the year with some promise. We said, okay, listen, we're going to go play in this Space Coast Challenge thing. And, uh, you know, we got some winnable games there. Maybe if we split, maybe we go one for one, we can feel good about that. We drop them both. That Clemson game was there for the taking. Of course, Iverson Molinar missed that trip, and it really made a difference. But despite that, we just felt like, you know what, if we could just get a run here together, we could, we could you know, put this game away, and offensively, we could never really get it on track. We're missing Molinar, and we had some other people out there that, uh, you know, making their college basketball debut, and we lose 53-42. Then we go out and play Liberty, and to me, that was the more embarrassing loss because I really felt like, from an athletic standpoint, we should have been able to kind of run with those guys, and we didn't. Offensively, we were better. We just couldn't close, and we lose 84-73. And I think at that point, everybody said, okay, yeah, it's going to be that kind of year. It's going to be that kind of year. We're going to kind of have to deal with some up-and-down stuff. We're a young team. You know, we'll probably have a losing record this year. It is what it is. You come home and, uh, you know, you got, you know, Texas State in here. And uh, you handle that game pretty well, 68-51. North Texas comes in, and we were a little bit concerned about that. They were playing pretty well at the time. We, we win the ball game 69-63. And at, the, at that point, it's just, we're just happy to get a win. You know what I'm saying? Now we're 2-2. Two and two. Jackson State comes in. We blast them. Now we've got a winning record again. We go to Dayton. And we let one get away from us, right? We lose in double overtime, had a chance to win that game in regulation and after the first overtime, really, really should have won the game. I think anybody involved with Mississippi State basketball will agree, we should have won that game against Dayton. We didn't. But I think we got better. We got out of Humphrey Coliseum, got on the road and played a quality team. And we should have won the game. I don't say that to browbeat anybody involved in Mississippi State. I'm just saying that you know, we were playing competitive basketball. We come back home. We drill Central Arkansas. We drill Valley, as we should. And you feel like, okay, we've got a little juice going in. Georgia's 7-0. and We go on the road at Athens. And uh, we've had some success there. But, um, you know, Georgia looked scary in the non-conference. You know, we, I think everybody thought, you know what, we're going to go down there and it's not going to be good. Well, we go down there and we win the game. 
83-73, and it really felt like we were in control the whole way. And then all of a sudden you start thinking to yourself, man, we got a chance to go 2-0 in the league because we got a pretty, you know, kind of a toothless Kentucky team coming in here. And we, we, we dropped that game too. And, again, I'm not going to browbeat anybody here, but, you know, that, that's a game we absolutely should have won. We lose 78-73 in double overtime. Had a chance to win it in regulation. Had a chance to win it in the first OT. We don't. We kind of wore down. We lose the ball game. And it really felt bad. But you kind of resolved that in your mind to saying, you know what, it's still, it's still Kentucky. Yeah, it's not a great Kentucky team. They're recruiting at a different level than us. They've, you know, and they've always found a way. We've never beaten Kentucky when John Calipari's been the coach. And so it's become an annual rite of passage. And so we look at that we say, yeah, okay, as bad as it was, and yeah, we should have won. We let those guys off the hook, but it's still Kentucky. Mizzou comes in riding high, and we absolutely spank them. 78-63, probably the biggest surprise of the season. I would say that's a bigger win than going down to be beating Georgia. You know, Georgia's kind of fallen on a hard time since then. At the moment, that seemed like a huge win. But this Missouri win is one of the better wins in Ben Howland's tenure at Mississippi State. I don't, I don't think there's any question. It's one of the best wins that Ben's had here at State. I think Missouri is quietly putting together a great season, maybe not getting the respect they deserve. But that's a really good win. Then we uh, lose our momentum again, and we absolutely blow it and lay a turd against Texas A&M. And that one still kind of sticks in the crawl a little bit because we were a better team. And they did the same thing to us last year. They came in here and made us play their game. They made it an early, a dirty, early, grinded-out type game where everybody's firing up, you know, bad shots when the shot clock's winding down and making us take, you know, low-percentage shots. And, and it worked out for them. And that's when people kind of begin to say, you know what, this is just kind of who we are. This is our identity. And it's not just because of the fact that we're young. I mean, this is just kind of who we are as a program under Ben Howen is we're going to be up and down. We're going to go win a game we're not expected to win, and we're going to lose some game to a team that has no business playing against us. Then we bounce back, and we beat Florida. And we've had some good success against Florida under Ben Howen. We have. You know, as much as we talk about – you know, John Calipari and Buzz Williams and those guys kind of having Ben's number. Well, Ben's had Michael White's number. You know, we've played well against Florida, kind of fired them up and inspired them to go beat uh, Tennessee like a drum the other night. And then we lose to Ole Miss a 64-46, and it, it really felt like it was worse than that. And, and, and listen, I know some of that it's because we're losing to Ole Miss at home and we know we got to go back to their place and play. Uh it should be a favorable matchup for us, but it wasn't. And I give Kermit and those guys a lot of credit. I'm not going to belabor the point for a long time here. But, uh, you know, that's the one you look at and you say, you know what, this is not a good old Miss team. You know, we've lost to some old Miss teams under Andy Kennedy that were really good. We have. But these have not been good old Miss teams as of late. Kermit, his first year was pretty good. They were bad last year. And, uh, you know, Ben's having a tough time, 4-7 and seven against Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. It's just not going to G-Hall around here, as the old-timers say. You know, you got to be able to win. You at least got to split with those guys. You know, I know when uh, Stansberry and Richard Williams was here, you know, we had the better of the series. Even when Ole Miss had good teams, we always seemed to find a way to win. I don't know if, if, we, if we undervalue the importance of that game to the fan base. I, I know that Kermit does it, though. I, I know that Kermit understands what that game means to Ole Miss people. What generally happens, whether it be football or baseball or basketball or whatever, whichever coach approaches that game like it's just another game gets run out of the game. And you can say, well, you know, Ole Miss football last year, all those guys were saying it's just another game, but, but that was all just coach speak, right? That's what the media relations people told him to say. Because you don't go get hats and shirts made when it's just another game. And so you give, you know, Lane Kiffin and his bunch credit, you know. A lot of people expected them to run us out of the stadium. They didn't. They went to go make a statement. They won the ballgame. They got the egg. But they also emphasized the rivalry. They did it behind closed doors, but they did it. And so, again, these people that try to de-emphasize the rivalry usually don't win rivalry games. Not saying that's the case, but that's kind of how it appears. So we have a chance to bounce back now and listen to the next couple of ball games. The next week is going to be rough. We're going to be playing uh, two of the better teams in the country, not just in the SEC, and both of them on the road. As you hear this, Ben Howen is meeting with the media 
kind of preview in that ball game against Alabama, I'll offer you my own thoughts on Alabama. If you have not watched them, you're really missing something. You're really missing them. They are an exciting team to watch. Nate has them playing at the top of their game. They play a perimeter game. They're so athletic. They can create their own shot. If you overcommit outside on the perimeter, they'll just go by you. These guys can really play off the bounce as well as shoot from outside. John Petty Jr., I don't know if there's anybody in the league playing better basketball than him. Averaging 14.3 points a game, also pulling down 73 rebounds. Outstanding player. Javon Quinterly, also 13.3 points per game. Matter of fact, Alabama has four starters averaging double digits or better. Well, I guess it wouldn't be better. It'd be like a record. You average 100, right? Uh, Jaden Shackelford, 13.1 points per game. Herbert Jones, 12.6. They're getting it done. I mean, that's the thing when you look at this, you know, look at this roster. You can't just say, okay, well, we're going to shut this guy down and let somebody else, uh, you know, beat us because they can. And one of the things that worries me about this Alabama team is uh, they are so strong from the perimeter. And one of the things that, you know, Ben Howard has kind of been this guy. It's like, you know what, if you want to take that low percentage shot, we're kind of content to let you do that. You know, we're not going to let you take the, uh, you know, we're going to kind of shut things down and maybe protect the rim a little bit more. And that's kind of been his MO. And so it's like if you can come out there and hit from outside and, chances are you're going to stand a good chance to win the ball game. And we've seen some of that, not just in SEC play, but over the last few years, I mean, teams that kind of specialize in that three-point shot have kind of given us to be state trouble. And so I, I get that. I understand that. I know the defensive concept as well, and you got to close out on shooters and that sort of stuff. But, you know, by and large, you know, we're going to kind of pack it in at times, even when we play man-to-man, and uh, make you shoot from outside. And this Alabama team is certainly capable of hitting from outside. And that, that's the thing that I look at. We talk about matchups all the time in sports. It's not a great matchup for Mississippi State. It's not. And listen, to be fair to that, too, that, that's not necessarily a criticism of Mississippi State. Alabama is just playing at a level I don't think anybody fully expected this year. And so this is a great Alabama team. I mean, maybe that's going a bit far. This is a really good Alabama team that is playing great basketball. I think, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress. But I'm very, very impressed with what they've done so far. And you guys have seen the numbers. You know, what they've done in SEC play is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, it's looking at their schedule here, you know, they stumbled a little bit early in the year, and then they have kind of found their groove. I mean, just kind of running through here, they, they get absolutely blown out week one against Stanford, uh, 82-64 at the Maui Invitational out there. You know, the Maui Invitational was played uh, stateside. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, it's Alabama. They win a couple of games and kind of moving along. They lose to the same Clemson team we lost to, 64-56, in a similar manner. And, again, Clemson kind of keeps the score down. And then they lose to Rick Stansberry in Western Kentucky, 73-71, in Tuscaloosa. And I think most of us thought, well, this will be a good Alabama team. They won't be elite. And then they get in a conference play, and they have hit an absolute different level. You know, they, they just blew Ole Miss out to open the conference late. Then they go to Knoxville and beat Tennessee, who was considered by many to be the best team in the SEC. They go to Knoxville and beat them 71-63, blast Florida, win at Auburn, and that was another ball game where they were bombing from outside. They go and beat, Lex, beat Kentucky in Lexington by 20 and then blast Arkansas 90-59, and then put up 105 on LSU and Baton Rouge. You don't think these guys are ready to play on the road? Look at what they're doing. They are destroying people in their own gyms. We'll head over to Tuscaloosa tomorrow, and uh, listen, that's a place we have not played well. We have not won a lot of games in Tuscaloosa, and I don't know if it's just the, you know, the, the shooting backdrop or whatever, but... Uh, you know, Coleman Coliseum has been a place where we have really struggled to win ball games, and so, and I'm not optimistic about winning tomorrow, but I can't say that I'm in awe of this Alabama team, but I'm absolutely impressed with how well they've played in SEC play. I don't know if there's anybody in the country play a better basketball than Alabama right now, and again, there's a lot of parity in the SEC, so I don't know how good these wins will look, you know, in hindsight when we get to the end, but this is a very difficult stretch for Mississippi State having to go play uh, Alabama, and then we hit the road to go to Knoxville uh, on uh, on Tuesday. 
So that little stretch of ball games, two road ball games, that that's kind of the meat of the schedule. That's the thing we talk about. People say, well, you know, if if we had told you at the beginning of the year we'd be four and three in the SEC at this point, you would have taken it. That's true. I think I think everybody will agree with that. That's absolutely true. But uh, you know, the the prospects of us, uh, you know. You know, winning these next two ball games not very good, and state has been good on the road. We're two and zero on the road uh, this year, as you guys are well aware. And so, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress. But uh, we're not playing Georgia and Vanderbilt here this next stretch. We're playing Alabama and Tennessee. So we're starting to see the top half of the league kind of hit the schedule here. And so that's going to be awfully interesting. But it would be one of those things till you begin to kind of break this thing down. Is that uh, you know, we could be under 500 here pretty quick if we're not careful. And yet, now that the emotion of uh, of the disappointing loss to Ole Miss has kind of faded, you know, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're probably about where we thought we'd be, right? Now, I get caught up in the moment sometimes too. That's one of the reasons that sometimes a good night's rest uh, kind of helps. But there's no excusing that loss and lack of effort against Ole Miss. So our record probably is what we hoped it would be. We would expect it to have beaten Ole Miss and probably expected to lose uh, on the road at Georgia or to Florida. And so you, you've probably won some games you shouldn't, but you've lost some games you have you, you, you should have won. And, and that's again, that's kind of been consistent with the Ben Howland era here at Mississippi State. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is going to be an NCAA tournament team. And, I, and I, I said that even when we were winning big, even when State on won a little bit of a streak, some people are thinking, "Hey, we got a chance at NCAA." No, we don't. I don't think we do unless some major things change here, uh, you know, in the weeks to come. And I think, you know, some young guys are going to really earn their stripes here in the next few weeks because now, you know, teams have seen what Molinar and Stewart can do on film. And they also understand we do not have a great third scoring option outside. Occasionally we do pretty well with Tolu Smith down low. But we're not going to beat you from five spots on the floor. That's just not who we are. That's not how we're built with this team. And if you go out there and you take D.J. Stewart away, you know, Molinar might beat you a little bit off the bounce and Tolu can get you sometimes underneath. But we're not a great offensive team. And I think people see that. So they take away one of the primary scoring options and then we don't have anybody else to kind of fill that void. And everybody wants to know, what's going to happen with Ben Howen? Again, I think Ben Howen gets – next year unless the wheels absolutely come off this year and you know what with these young guys if you win next year you know maybe it's maybe it's new life you know we've been through this before with other coaches you know people that's one of the things that's so interesting to me is that we think about Jackie Sherrill you know we had some great years with Jackie Sherrill at the end of the 1990s but a lot of people kind of glaze over that 96 year right the mid 90s we really weren't very good Jackie was really good early 90s really good late 90s when 96 rolled around, people wanted to fire Jackie Sherrill. Everybody wanted to fire Jackie Sherrill, except Larry Templeton. And so we beat Alabama, and we beat Ole Miss, and we end the year on a huge high note. And we, we weren't even ready to quit playing. It's like, you know, we finally found some identity here. So we have a winning season in 97. Didn't go to bowl game, but we had a winning season. In 98, we win the SEC West. Uh, and... 1999, you know, we get off to that great winning streak. We go over and lose to Tuscaloosa. And uh, ball game, we probably should have won. And that was the year we, you know, we got off to the great start. And everybody's saying Mississippi State's got a chance to defend the SEC West crown. Probably should have won the West again. We blew it. Then we had the 2000 year where, uh, you know, we go to the snowball year and, and uh, probably should have had a better bowl destination. I think we probably should have gone to the outback. I think the SEC office kind of work some politics there against us. But, you know, if we had made the call in 96 to fire Jackie Sherrill, we don't have 97, 98, 99, 2000. We don't have those great memories. That's not to say that another coach couldn't come in here and won, but, you know, we kind of rode the wave with them. And, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to Ben Howans for this to put together a great run at Mississippi State. I think this is Ben's last coaching stop. But I do think next year is a big year for him. I, I don't think you make the move this year unless – Something awful happens. I mean, you know, if, if we lose out or if you have a bunch of kids transfer again, because, you know, listen, that's part of the issue, too. Some of the attrition we've had to the roster, not related to guys going to the NBA, 
but guys that we had recruited to hopefully come in and be contributors are gone. You know, people forget we had a handful of guys transfer out last year, and some of those guys could not play in the Southeastern Conference. And so you have some recruiting misses there. You know, guys you bring in, like we talk about all the time on the show, it's not the kids you don't get that get you beat. It's the kids you sign that can't play. And we signed some kids that couldn't play. And then we have to process them out of the program. And the next thing you know, we get in a situation like this where we're forced to play uh, Cameron Matthews and Davion Smith very, very early. And they're having to play a lot of minutes, probably before they're ready. College basketball is a lot different. I'll remind you guys of another story. Back in 2012, Mississippi State baseball, everybody was ready to fire John Cohen. Everybody. Everybody was ready to fire John Cohen. And everybody, I think everybody within the fan base, even the moderates within our fan base, when the 2013 season began, I think everybody said, you know what, John Cohen is coaching for his job this year. I think that's how everybody felt. You know, I I love John too, like all of you. I appreciate everything John's done for Mississippi State. But going into 2013, I felt like John needed to do some things. And we went and played for a national championship. And so it's easy, again, to get caught in the emotion of the moment. And sometimes we feel like, you know, we've kind of graduated beyond the fact that we're not supposed to ever have a rebuilding year. Said on the show many times and others, I mean, when you lose four starters – there's going to be a setback. You're, you don't lose four starters, especially when a couple of those guys are now in the NBA and get better as a team. You know, what happened in baseball in 13 is all of a sudden, you know, you had guys like Daniel Brown show up and Nathaniel Lowe, Jack Kruger, Jeg Mangum. You had an influx of talent. You had that one recruiting class that came in and really kind of changed things because, you know, the balls changed, the bats changed, and, you know, for a while, you know, John was doing the bunt and run stuff and that, you know, you know, the bats were so bad when they put the BB core bats in. They went away from BSR to BB core bats, and they were so flat. And unless you're Hunter Renfro, you're not hitting a home run, right? So the game evolved. And then we kind of caught up. You know, people forget this too. When John got here, we did not have a single Mississippi State baseball commitment. You know, Polk had the, uh, you know, and I love Coach Polk. I'm not talking negative of Coach. Coaches earned everything that, that he has, everything that his name is on, everything that you know, all the respect that you guys give him, that we all give him. We love him. He's one of the godfathers of college baseball. But, you know, he had his farewell tour, and uh, we didn't have any commitments. Now, some of that's because people knew we were leaving. New, New Polk was moving on, and uh, Bianco and those guys were doing a great job recruiting at Ole Miss. And I don't, I don't think the casual fan understands – how far in the hole we were from a talent standpoint when we made the coaching change. You go back and look at how many of those young guys, those freshmen, you know, those were you know, John Cohen guys. You know, we were not recruiting at the same level as Ole Miss, and it caught up to us. You know, Dan McDonald and those guys were offering those kids sometimes as sophomores. And listen, we had always been Mississippi State, and we kind of poked our chest out a little bit and said, you know, hey, those kids won't commit until they've heard from us well they did you know we got a little bit you know, cocksure i guess you could say we got we got we felt like you know what we're mississippi state and uh if they want to go over there and play for a second rate program then that's fine well bianco made it a first rate program and so when cohen gets here we're kind of dealing with all of that we're dealing with the fact that we had not modernized our approach to recruiting we weren't working analytics i know some people hate that stuff we weren't working analytics. We weren't working hard. We weren't offering guys young. You know, we were waiting for guys to come to us. If they really wanted to be at Mississippi State, they'd come to camp. Well, by the time those camp invitations went out, a lot of those kids were already committed to Ole Miss. And so it took some time for us to dig out of the hole. And, uh, you know, when, when Ben Howland got here, you know, from a talent deficiency standpoint, it was probably comparable. Yeah, yeah, we had, you know, Craig Sword. You know, we had uh, I.J. Reddy. You know, we had Gavin Ware. You know, we had some pieces. But you couldn't look up and down that roster and said, you know what, this team is capable of winning big in the SEC. And one of the first things that Howland did is he hit the road. Next thing you know, you got Kegler and you got Malik Newman. You got Quindary Weatherspoon. And we're thinking, you know what, this is a young nucleus of guys that will grow up together. Lamar Peters comes along. And you know what, we had a good run with those guys. Probably underachieved a little bit. But they kind of changed the, you know, the complexity of this team.
you know, it's one of those things when you begin to look at it, you know, we, we began to recruit really well. I don't know that we've sustained that, though. So that's the thing. You hit the ground hard. You get all these guys in here, and you're, you're doing great. And then they come in, and then Kegler doesn't work out, and he transfers, right? And you can go up and down the list there. I mean, you know, Lamar Peters comes in and, you know, sleeps through, you know, a shoot-around, has to miss a ball game, thought he's going to get kicked off the team. You know, it took some time for those young guys to grow up. Malik Newman leaves, and it was all that fiasco with all that went on with that. And so there was a lot of drama with that. But we, I don't know that we have really recruited at that same level, you know, since Ben Howen's getting gotten here. And, and that's I think this year is probably a, you know, a step in the right direction. I think you feel a lot better about, uh, you know, this team and maybe the future. But I don't know if uh, that's always been the case. I don't, I don't know that you can look at it and, and say without a doubt that, you know, we have consistently recruited at a high level. And uh, that's the thing about recruiting. We've talked about this many, many times. You know, there are a lot of people out there that have great X's and O's coaches, and that covers up, you know, kind of a multitude of sins when it comes to recruiting. There are a lot of people out there that are great recruiters that aren't great X's and O's coach. I mean, I, I think about Rick Stansberry. You know, Rick put some great talent together here, but we weren't always a great X's and O's team. You know, there were times late in ball games we just couldn't we couldn't run a set, we couldn't run a play. You know, but that's the thing about having great talent. You know, when you got great talent, especially in basketball, it's one of those things you look at and you begin to think, late in a ball game, it's not about running a play. It's who can we get the ball to to go make a play for us. And I don't know that we have a lot of those guys right now. I, mean, I think you think Iverson Molinar probably has some of that. You know, when you go back and think about, you know, when uh, when Timmy Bauer was, was here, Derek Zimmerman, you know, late in the ball game, we all wanted the basketball in their hands because we knew that they were competitive enough, they were athletic enough and talented enough to get to the rim to make a play for us. And we're just not quite there. You know, going back and just kind of looking at this, you know, this first class, it's an incredible class on paper. You know, you get Schneider Harad, a four-star, ranked a 98 by 247 Sport. Mario Kegler, a four-star, 97.9. Eli Wright, 96.7. Tyson Carter, 94.5. Had a great career here. Lamar Peters, Abdul Adu, E.J. Datcher. And so the very first recruiting class, you come in here and you sign six four-stars and then E.J. Datcher as a three. The very first year. And I think everybody got kind of got drunk on exuberance then and thought, you know what? We're back, baby. We're back. We're going to turn this thing around. We're recruiting at the level we used to. We're going to get some big things going. Hadn't really sustained that, though, right? And let's look a little bit deeper before we move on. Because, you know, you got to coach a lot harder. You know what I'm saying? You have to coach a lot harder. When you don't have those guys that can just go make a play for you, you got to coach a lot harder. Uh, looking at that next class, Nick Weatherspoon, Keyshawn Fazell. Neither one of them com- completed their careers here at Mississippi State. Um, so we needed both of those guys this year, right? And you could say, well, you know what? It was probably time for Nick to move on. Maybe it was. But that's a signing class where neither one of those guys finish. And I understand that is the trend in, in college basketball. But a lot of those guys are going to play pro. You get in 2018, and again, the cycle kind of shifts back in our favor. We get Reggie Perry, four-star, Robert Woodard, four-star, DJ Stewart, four-star, and then Jethro Tashamba, who's no longer with the program. We did pick up Tolu Smith as a transfer there. But again, you begin to ride the wave there. You have a really good recruiting class, but also, too, a lot of those guys, Mississippi State legacies. Now we've kind of run out of Bulldog legacies. So what do we do now? You know, How do we kind of build on that? How do we improve our talent level? The next year after the Perry Woodard class, you know, we have, uh, you know, four enrollees, and, uh, and and here are those guys. Elias King, who was transferred, Iverson Molinar, who's your starting port guard, Devin Butts, who was transferred, and then Quentin Post, who was beginning to kind of round into a pretty solid role player for Mississippi State. But in the end, Post wasn't rated. Uh, Butts was not an SEC guy, and Elias King, who I actually liked, thought he had a good chance to play. So you look at this, you got Iverson Molinar, who's an 89 and a three-star. So, again, we're not maintaining a consistent level recruiting-wise. It's kind of up and down, kind of like our seasons, you know, kind of like our possessions, kind of like a ball game. There's some ebb and flow to it. Now, we look at last year, 
And I think we felt like we really took a step in the right direction. Again, just the one four-star with Delwyn Smith. I think Derek Fountain from Holly Springs would be a solid role play for us. Keandre Montgomery out of Forest Hill is a guy a lot of people are high on. Anderson Garcia, of course. But you're restocking the roster with younger players. Cameron Matthews, of course. And you guys are seeing that kid play. But it wasn't a highly rated class. Ends up being ranked 37th and 9th in the SEC. And so those are the things that I look at. It's not just when you when it comes to assessing the basketball situation. It's not just what happens on the floor. Because there are so many things outside of that that impact what happens on the floor. If we don't recruit at a high level, we're not going to play at a high level. And if we don't coach at a high level, we're not going to win at a high level. And so it all kind of works hand-in-hand hand together. And it's like when you go back and look at these recruiting classes – you say, oh, man, we lost so many guys to transfer and the NBA draft. You know, I, I point to the fact that we should have been able to absorb some of those losses had we won bigger on the recruiting trail. When you get guys that are coming in and say, you know what, hey, Reggie Perry and Robert are moving on. This is my opportunity. Next year is my opportunity. And I understand college basketball players on the men's side especially are not especially patient. Everybody thinks they're going to the NBA. Everybody thinks they're a one and done. As soon as I come in, I'm going to take over the league. I'm going to move on. They don't understand the level of competition they're about to see. But that's kind of how we see. But, again, I think Ben Howland gets next year. I think he probably deserves next year. And I know it is frustrating for all of us at times, especially when we lose ball games we shouldn't. But, again, this is a situation of his making. He recruited these players. You know, he kind of chose, uh, you know, who to keep and who not to keep, I guess, in some respects. But, um, you know, it's his program. And we're in year six. And, um, you know, if we're being fair, I think we're pretty boring on offense. And sometimes we uh, we lack a little effort on, on defense. But when we're good, when it all comes together, we're pretty good. We're a pretty fun team to watch. And I think there are some young pieces there that can provide you with kind of a solid building block kind of moving forward. And so, again, I think Ben Howen survives the year, comes back next year, and then we probably make a decision after uh, what happens next year. And my hope is we go back and win a bunch of ball games, and we go back to the NCAA tournament. We sign Ben to an extension. And, you know, I just want to win. You know, it's like my loyalty is to Mississippi State, not to a coach, not to a player. And, I, you know, I'll support every coach as long as they're here, but we are not winning – the way we should be and, and we have missed some opportunities and I go back to two years ago and, and I know you feel like I'm beating a dead horse we went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in forever and we couldn't win an NCAA for tournament first round game despite the fact that we had three future NBA players on our roster. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get 
a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. That is a problem. Let's get into today's top 10 list. I had somebody reach out, and I apologize. I didn't write the name down, so you have to forgive me. I tried to reach out and say, Steve, we hadn't done sticks yet. And you're absolutely right. We have not done sticks. And when I was a young man, sticks was one of my favorite bands. They got a little bit of dull contemporary for me later in the catalog, right? Uh, I love the Tommy Shaw years, you know, when Tommy was singing some lead. And, and Tommy was a rock guy. I think Dennis uh, was, you know, at times a little bit of a, uh, you know, was writing more for the radio than maybe writing from the heart. I, you know, I've watched uh, a lot of documentaries about these guys. But um, be that as it may, sticks, a lot of hits, man, a ton of hits. That's the thing you look at. You know, a lot of young guys maybe today don't fully appreciate what a good band Sticks was. You know, a few of the, the, the classics, but, uh, man, these guys were on the radio all of the time. Absolutely all of the time. And uh, when, you, when you begin to kind of look back in hindsight, I guess it's been, what, you know, 50 years now? 50 years? I mean, it's, it's incredible to think about the fact that some of these bands are still making music. And the fact that people were still paying to see them and buy their stuff just goes to show you there's some real substance with that. Sticks, of course, uh, you know, from Chicago originally, band founded in Chicago, and has sold just an unbelievable amount of records over the years. Uh, so, you know, do your own research on them and kind of get to know them. Great ballads from them. I, I think as much as I love the rock and stuff, they built a the name on the ballad. So, Here's my top 10 list, and most of these are ballads, but um, those of you that know me will, will probably know right out of the gate what number one is going to be. So number 10 is Don't Let It End. That's a Dennis song. I think you'll dig that one. Best of Times, probably a classic stick song that probably doesn't get played on the radio enough. Number eight, huge one, Babe. Babe, I'm leaving. I love that song. And um, number seven, is uh, the first single off the Paradise Theater album. And so I've shared with you guys before, the very first album, and back in those days, we had to buy records, okay? Like, you guys are doing it again now. You're buying vinyl. So, you know, we were ahead of the game. The first album I ever bought, of course, it was on vinyl, was Queen's The Game. The second album that I ever bought with my own money was Styx Paradise Theater. And it was because of the song Too Much Time On My Hands, which is your number seven song. Absolutely love that track. You'll dig it too. If you haven't, go check it out. Number six off of Kilroy was here. It's Mr. Roboto. This is when the band really began to change. It's like it was kind of this performance theater. It was kind of they were kind of trending away from being a rock band, and that really led to some of the, uh, the friction between uh, Dennis and Tommy. Number five, and there are some people out there that would probably say this is Sticks' best song. I would disagree, but it's it's Lady. And I love the late, the percussion on this 
this song as it gets a little deeper into the uh, in, into the song. I think you'll dig that too. It's uh, again, it's a great ballad, but it's uh, it's got a little bit of a rock element to it. Number four, and this is when Sticks came back. This is when Sticks kind of went away. They reunited and they came back. And this is much later in the catalog, but I love this song. And uh, I was a radio DJ at the time when this song came out, and we put it in the heavy rotation. It's uh, Show Me The Way. I want to say this song went to number one. I might, I might be wrong about that, but I know that it was, it was in the top ten on just about every chart. Number three, and Roy says this should be number one. Roy's wrong. Roy Samante, of course, is the guy that puts together the Spotify top ten list. Roy says this should be number one. Uh, when Roy gets his own show, he can do his own top ten list, and he can make this song number one. It's number three for me. It's Come Sail Away. I do love the instrumentation on this one. Uh, it's it's not just the vocal for me. I think the way this song is constructed from start to finish is, is a masterpiece. I really, really do. But I just like the rock and stuff a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I Just a little bit more. Number two for me is a, a Tommy Shaw written and performed classic. It's a Blue Collar Man. And that kind of fits us, right? Mississippi State, you know, we're, we're blue collar folks. But number one, I don't think, there's no question to me, it's Renegade. It's absolutely, Renegade is the best Sticks song. It is not close in my mind. It is really not. I think it's number one with a bullet. And it's not just because I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and they play this every time we need a defensive stop. I think the guitar on this is great. I love the vocal on it. And uh, I think the message behind it, I think every young man at some point kind of fashions himself is a bit of a renegade and uh it's a great story within the song and uh you know talking about the gallows pole and things like that and you know my mom in fear of my life and i'm a long long way from home renegade without a doubt the best stick song roy deal with it if you have ideas for the top 10 let's reach out let me know i'm happy to do them you can find me on all forms of social media at scout steve r you can tweet me direct message me whatever you want dms are always open and uh, I might do your song. Uh, it's, uh, I get a lot of people that reach out, and they have some of these obscure bands that don't have a lot of big hits, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to do those. But um, I do review them all, and I, resp- I apologize if I don't respond to everybody. I do my best. But there's your list for today. Sticks, band from the early 70s. It's still making music, goodness, almost 50 years later. It's crazy to think about that. All right, Canvas Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show. And uh, listen, you need to be sponsors of Campus Bookmark. Those people believe in Mississippi State. They're all Bulldog people. They get excited about it. They go to the ball games. Uh, it's very rare that Mississippi State has a sporting event that one of the employees from Campus Bookmark's not there. They turn out and go. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets lovelier by the day. If you don't believe me, just go by. Every time that you go by, she'll be better looking. So go by, check them out, and if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. That's campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk a little bit about baseball. You guys are well aware now that uh, we have got a huge opening weekend, February 19th through the 21st at Global Life Field there, uh, the home of the Texas Rangers in Arlington, Texas. So if you haven't kept up, uh, D1 baseball, I use the D1 baseball rankings. I don't use the coaches poll. I don't use the AP. There's like a thousand different rankings out there, and it seems like they all get tweeted out there. And so the one for me – that has the most authenticity. And I know, listen, I get it. Sometimes I think they're a little bit high on Florida too. But it's D1 baseball. Because Kendall and Aaron Fitt and Stitch and those guys, they are on the road. And that's not to say that Baseball America's not. I just think that D1 baseball has a bigger staff that gets out and, and sees a lot more teams. So that opening weekend, we're going to have six top 10 teams play a round-robin tournament, six top ten teams. Think about that. What a shakeup that's going to be after that weekend, right? And what a great way to make an early statement if you're Mississippi State. You know, somebody's going to come out of the weekend as the big winner, and somebody's going to come out of it as a big loser, and then everybody else is going to be, like, you know, feeling pretty good. Number three, Texas Tech. 
number nine, Texas, and number 10, TCU. That's who's on the other side. We're going to play all three of those teams. So we're going to get three top 10 matchups the very first weekend. So our pitching staff, we're going to figure out what we got pretty early. On the SEC side of the bracket, it's number six, Ole Miss, number seven, Mississippi State, and number eight, Arkansas. I don't agree with Ole Miss being ranked ahead of us, but listen, it's a preseason poll. It's almost like preseason polls don't mean anything, right? What matters at the end is that we're playing our best baseball. And uh, listen, I think this Ole Miss team is really good. I don't think they have the pitching Mississippi State does. And that's one of the things uh, Aaron Fitt, somebody asked him that question, and he answered it, and I thought Aaron did a great job. Uh, you know, Hogland and Nukesi, those guys have, have, have pitched in the SEC. And, the, and Doug Nukesi's great. He is a really, really good pitcher, bona fide Friday night starter. Uh, I'm not so big on Hogland like some other guys are. But to be fair, you know, we got some guys that got some juice, but they don't have any SEC innings. And so it's a bit, they're a bit unproven against league competition. So, yeah, those guys are out there just kind of lighting things up against non-conference opponents. But what are they going to do, you know, against LSU? What are they going to do against – Auburn we don't know yet and so I understand a little bit of the reservation there and it's easy for us to get excited about our own kids right I mean it's, it's, it's what happens it's like we see these guys out there dominating we all saw Christian McLeod out there last year and we saw that he was exactly what everybody told us that he would be and so I'm excited and I'm not just cautiously optimistic I am irrationally exuberant about this Mississippi State baseball team and I'm excited about that weekend we got to go up there and win a couple ball games. You know, we were at the uh, the Frisco thing a couple years ago. Went out there and they canceled a Sunday game, but we went out there and we beat Texas Tech. You remember Cole Gordon had the pickoff, the walk off pickoff uh, to, to win the thing. But uh, I guess we played with Sam Houston State maybe uh, as well. This is a much bigger deal. This is a huge deal. And so for those of you that are curious, yes, there will be fans allowed. It's going to be a general admission deal. Uh, 15,000 fans in that park. So if you want to go see the Bulldogs play a huge weekend of baseball, go ahead and get your tickets. And uh, you can – I've got friends of mine that are buying them left and right. I know many of you are just kind of looking forward to seeing the Diamond Dogs play again. If you're willing to to make that trip – and listen, it's going to be a little chilly. Go ahead and be prepared. That's going to be a great weekend of baseball. Now, the next question everybody always says is, what about attendance at Duty Noble? As of now, just as we discussed on the show before, it's 25%. It's 25%. Until the guidelines change, it's going to remain 25%. Now, I expect those to change in the months to come. I will not be surprised if we're not 50% by the end of the year, at least from the guidelines. I don't know if State and Ole Miss go along with that. I know they would love to. But, you know, talking to people around the state in the medical community, we have seen a drastic reduction in hospitalizations here in the last week, 10 days. So things are kind of trending in the right direction. The vaccine is out there. You know, people, Gene's already gotten it. You know, a lot of people have already begun to get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, you know, we needed to give that vaccine, you know, to our, you know, our oldest and our most vulnerable first, our medical professionals first. You know, and so it'll trickle down, and eventually we'll all get an opportunity to take it. Some won't take it, some will. But I think we're beginning to see some some positive impact from that. And so do I think that we uh, are able to not wear masks? No. But that day is going to come at some point, too. But we're talking college baseball today. So if you want to go watch the Bulldogs play, go out to Arlington and then come back. And, and every non-conference game the rest of the year, with the exception of the Southern Miss game in Pearl, is at Duty Noble Field. And I, I, I just touching us a little bit, too, the other day about us not playing the governor's game. A lot of people are saying, oh, I don't understand, you know. And, and uh, there's a lot of people devoid of facts that have a lot of opinions. And so let me share with you something here. If we're going to have limited attendance, don't we want every home game we can get? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, we, if we're going to be limited to 25% attendance, which 25% at Duty Noble Field is still a lot more than what most people get. But if we're going to be limited, don't we want every possible home game? And then so you've got a situation here where you're giving up a home game and both teams are splitting the purse, and it's still and it's only part of a purse. You know, I get it. I understand it. I like beating Ole Miss as much as anybody. But I also understand, too, that, uh, you know, when you look at the financial situation that's involved with athletics today, if, if we have to give up that game to play another home game, it's probably smart. 
I don't know what the arrangement is until they're missed. I would have been okay with giving that one up too. You know, and I understand one of the main reasons they do that is for all of you guys in central Mississippi. It's a midweek game. You can come out. We've had some great crowds uh, for a governor's game there at uh, Trustmark Park, and we've had some great crowds down in Biloxi. Nobody even talked about that, right? We started playing down there in Biloxi and uh, had some great response. Matter of fact, the last baseball games that we played at Mississippi State uh, were down in Biloxi. We took two from Texas Tech uh, down there last year, the final games of the season. But nobody even really remarked about that. Oh, we're not playing Biloxi. Well, that's been a good thing, too. That needs to come back. But at the end of the day, we're going to have a baseball season. And I I miss college baseball. I I really, really do. I miss college baseball. I love being out and getting on the road. I didn't get a chance to go to Columbia, South Carolina last year. We'll get a chance to do it this year. Mike Nemeth and I already ran through the list. I mean, there's five road series plus the Arlington trip. So it's six big, you know, six big trips for us. One of those is the Tuscaloosa. So that's not going to be an overnight deal. So this is a really fan-friendly schedule. And so we're going to go cover everything again. We're going to cover every time Mississippi State plays. We're going to be there. We're going to provide you great coverage. We're looking forward to that. We love covering Mississippi State baseball because at the end of the day, we're a baseball school. We want to do what we can to kind of give you guys the latest information on your favorite team, which is the Diamond Dogs of Mississippi State. Speaking of Diamond Dogs, your friend – Brooks Bryan, your friend, my friend, a friend to the show, friend of the program, a friend of the community, a pillar of our Mississippi community, Brooks Bryan. Go by and see Brooks and uh, talk to him about life, about baseball, whatever you need. Brooks is also one of those guys, too, that uh, he's got his hands in a lot of different things, right? Brooks, involved with this new residential complex uh, here in Starville called Portico, and uh, if you are thinking about relocating to Starkville or moving within the confines of the greater community of Starkville, give Portico a chance to serve you. Located just off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn in the Cryford Jeep dealership, 1.1 miles from campus. Think about that. One, one of the best things about moving to Starkville is you get to go to the ball games, and you're right there at campus. And they've even built that uh, you know Walmart neighborhood market right out there for you, so you don't have to go fight all that traffic or jump on the bypass and go all the way to the big Walmart when you forget that gallon of milk. It's right there. Easy access to both 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in this whole residential complex. 18 houses already in the first phase, getting ready to go, and then 33 more in the second phase. That'll take place this year. Houses will be from... 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, and from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area, so you can go cook out and then walk off those calories right there in your neighborhood. That's a really cool thing, too. Brooks Bryan, one of the developers. You can reach him for more information at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Listen, we'd love for you to come be part of our community. We love it when you come and visit, but man, how great would it be if you came and stayed. Portico, the greatest new residential community here in Starkville. All right, let's talk a little bit of recruiting. I got some information for you guys I'm pretty happy to have. I think it's important that you have this. So I have done some research about this new transfer rule. You know, that the, there was a talk, the one-time transfer rule was going to pass in January. They've tabled the issue Uh, The feds got involved and everybody got nervous. But here's the deal. There were a lot of players that hit the transfer portal in December and signed with schools in December and then made the move in some cases across the country to a new school with the expectation of being immediately eligible. So what I am told is that any player that transferred in December – and made the move to their new school, if they are on campus and enrolled in class for the spring semester, that they will be granted a waiver to be eligible to play this year. So that removes the concern about uh, Makai Polk and Randy Charlton. I was told early on Charlton probably had a good argument for a waiver anyway. But if what I am hearing is correct, and I have been told this by two people who would know, that your guys that enrolled in January – will be eligible as a one-time transfer. They will be given the waiver, so they will not have to sit out. Now, if you transfer within the SEC, that's a different deal. But these guys like Charlton and Polk, they're going to play. They're going to be ready to play for Bulldogs this year. 
So go ahead and relax. Feel good about that. You don't have to worry about that legislation kind of getting uh, tabled or whatever or even put off for another year. It will not impact those two guys. Fair enough? Now, the guys that sign in February, it's going to be completely different. Those guys are going to have to operate under the old rule until if and when that new rule passes this year. If you sign in February and you are not enrolled at your school in the spring, which you, you can't, right, then you're going to have to sit unless the one-time transfer rule passes. And so that's what makes Makai Polk such a big deal. That's what makes Rennie Charlton such a big deal is they're, they're not grad transfers, but they're going to get immediate eligibility like a grad transfer would. Now, what else is left out there? Now, the drop ad date for Mississippi State uh, was earlier this week. There's always a little wiggle room. Always a little wiggle room. So don't rule out the possibility of another transfer sneaking in here late. You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, Jalen Green, former number one player in the state of Texas. Jason Washington recruited him to Texas and beat everybody in the country for him. He's played. He's now he's you know looking to get out and start over. I'm told Mississippi State is in a great position with him. Not quite ready to call it just yet. But don't be surprised if you get some good news on him in the days to come. Don't be surprised. Not ready to call it. But I'll just say I like what I'm hearing about this situation. I like it a lot. I like it an awful lot. Now, one of the things, too, I think it's important to understand, too, people say, well, Steve, you know, we got Martin Emerson and those guys coming back. Where's he going to play? Well, he's going to play safety. He's going to play safety. And uh, that's the thing when you begin to think about that. You know, we, we want to play our five best defensive backs. And so you, when you've got a guy like him that has the versatility to play safety, then you play him at safety if that's where your immediate need is. So if we begin to think about the possibility of Jalen Green, a former five-star player, enrolling at Mississippi State, taking part in spring practice, and then competing for and winning a starting job in that safety spot next year, Makai Polk, Randy Charlton, uh, guys, these are starters. These are starters from other programs that are coming in. So we talk at length about the transfer portal and what it means. You know, we needed help at a few positions. We needed an older defensive end. We got one in Charlton. He's going to be able to play. We needed help at wide receiver. You know, we went out and signed a bunch of young guys we're excited about. Then on top of that, you go ahead and add, add Polk as a stopgap guy. You feel really good about life. Now you've got the possibility to add Jalen Green, who could play. Now, Eddie Smith would not have been able to play, which is why he transferred out of the conference. He went to Illinois. That's not to say that Illinois didn't do a good job recruiting him, but, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be able to give him, give him play. You know, if the one-time transfer rule passes before the season begins, then he'll be able to play there. The SEC rule is not expected to change, so Eddie Smith would have had to sit at Mississippi State this year. It's a no-brainer. And I know, I know there are some people out there that are so critical of Mike Leach and our staff, and we never do anything right. But we would be doing this kid a disservice if we took him and then he had to sit again. Not to mention we'll be doing a disservice to our football team when there's other guys out there of comparable or better ability that can play this year. It's about winning football games. This is not the Boy Scouts. This is the Southeastern Conference. People always ask, well, Steve, there's four spots left. Where do you think they'll go? If I had to call it today, if I had to call it today, I think Ty Green, excuse me, Ty Cooper is uh, a definite. I think Katravian Hargrove is a near definite. I think C.J. Johnson is a probable, and I think Jalen Green might just be that final guy. Might just be that final guy. So get excited about that. Be sure to tune in to jeanspage.com this weekend as we update that situation with Jalen Green. We may have some information uh, sooner rather than later. And so you know, we're waiting to hear like everybody else, but I am told by two people with knowledge of the situation that this is no longer a possibility but a probability. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of days because, you know, things, things could change. I mean, you know, what if you know, somebody else gets on the phone with him today and says, hey, let's do this instead? Uh, that's always a concern. Until they get here and they get on campus and they get enrolled and they sign something, 
you know, it's still open season out there. But um, I like what I'm hearing, and I think you will too. And so hopefully this thing kind of comes to fruition like we hope uh, because that would solve a lot of problems at Mississippi State. And the fact that he would be able to able to play this year makes you a better football team. And you, you may not know this, but, uh, you know, he and Jason Washington – uh, had a great relationship, and if Jason Washington is not at the University of Texas, I don't know that Green signs with Texas. I mean, that was a very hotly contested recruiting battle that Jason Washington won for Tom Herman, and I, you know, that's the thing about Jay Wash. I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate. You brought that guy in. He's a former recruiting coordinator. The guy knows the game, and now he's had a year to kind of sell Mississippi State. He kind of understands who we are, who we can attract, and that sort of stuff, and kind of the selling points of the Bulldog experience. And so I look for him to have a big year this year. I really do. I think he's going to have a really good year at Mississippi State. And I think it's about to start. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com or go to AlphaDogsTheBook.com, and uh, they'll all take you to the same place. And you can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And i got some more stuff to share with you guys on that in the weeks to come about all of that. Uh, but also, too, if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com and you get T-shirt hoodies and get them in uh, your school colors more times than not. Happy to be a part of that. Look forward to you guys doing that. Everybody needs a Stark Villain shirt anyway. You need one. What, I mean, e- even if you don't like me, I mean, just the fact that you spend time in Starkville or you are from Starkville, you should want to wear that shirt. Stark Villain. That's who we are. We don't mind putting a black hat on. We don't, we don't mind getting a little act right out there. So a lot of good things to talk about. Hopefully we'll, be, we'll have some uh, things to celebrate, perhaps a new signee come Monday. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.